Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Two Scene Podcast. Welcome, first time listeners, to the Two Scene Podcast, a podcast where two journalists sit down and talk baseball. I am your host, Tyler Foy, and alongside me today, like always, is Camilo Fonseca. And it's been a little while since we recorded a podcast. It has. Um, we have been taken over by finals and uh, illnesses, illnesses and trips, trips. Yeah, so it's been kind of a perfect storm of events that's kept us from uh, the podcast. But I'm happy to be back. We're talking uh, first. I think two weeks now of baseball. Yes, I mean we we really wanted to come back last week uh, and, and hammer down opening week for baseball. And, and there's a lot of things that have happened inside the sport uh, but we're gonna try our best to catch you guys up with everything that you might have missed out on uh, the storylines that didn't get covered as much uh, and just overall our perspectives on where some of these major league teams maybe are finding success and where some are struggling so to start here why don't we like you know discuss the division that we know the most about uh, and work our way through the rest of the MLB uh, the American League East, it's been competitive. It's what we expected, I think, going into the season. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's still really a a toss-up um, between those top four teams that we were talking about, Toronto, New York, Tampa, and uh, Boston. Um, the, the difference separating uh, the fourth-place Red Sox from the first-place Blue Jays is just two games at this point. And I think everybody's played 14 or 15 games. So, you know, everybody said that this was going to be one of, if not the most competitive division in baseball. And that's what we've seen uh, play out. Um, and I think all of the teams have played at least one AL East opponent mm-hmm. um, to this point. Um, and I think all of those series have been pretty competitive. Even, Even the Orioles-Yankees series, which we saw the Orioles take a win on, which I was certainly not expecting. That was, that was very uh, interesting to see the Orioles hold their own the Orioles have been you know they're they're certainly not in contention for a playoff spot but they've been better I think than I expected this year and we've got you know a lot of games here but they they definitely have been showing strengths in areas that uh were not expected to especially their offense they've actually been scoring uh, a few runs still at the bottom of the league in offense for uh you know runs scored but better than expected um, and I think that might just go on to say on how we might feel about the Orioles. Um, the Yankees have actually been, to me, the biggest surprise uh, in this division. Uh, and it's not because of their offense, actually. They have a lot of offensive struggles at the moment, similar to how the Red Sox offense is struggling. But their pitching has just been better than um, most had uh, maybe predicted besides their ace, which everybody thought would be really good. You know, Garrett Cole has been struggling immensely to start the season, uh, but everybody else is kind of pulling their weight behind him. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, I think we agreed with this last time we were talking about predictions that the Yankees would be um, either third or fourth in the division. Um, Right now they're sitting, not comfortably, but, you know, they are sitting uh, with an 8-6 and record at the moment. And yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's necessarily sustainable, um, but they are proving to be uh, more competitive than I think maybe I would have even given them credit for. So that is certainly something. Uh, Then again, you know, 
losing a series to the Orioles is not exactly um, a great way um, to have those six losses on there. Right, and a lot of, even like if you compare the Yankees-Red Sox, they've actually had some very similar series. Of course, opening day was against the two teams here. Uh, And just for me to discuss what I've seen from the Sox, it has been an offensive struggle, which was not on the cards for this season. We know that the Red Sox offense has been the turning point for them in previous seasons. And of course, adding Trevor Story was supposed to boast that but it's really been for the Red Sox the story has been uh the starters a couple of them are doing well like Michael Waka has been excellent but you have some struggling like Nick Pavetta um and Rich Hill um but as well as the bullpen has been getting the job done whether it's sustainable I don't know if I believe so but um overall the Red Sox have been meh (laughs) and I think their record speaks for it yeah, I mean, well, you the Red Sox, I think, are... I th- I think I would even give them more credit to you. I think they are very... Like, I think the team can be less than the sum of its parts sometimes. Um, but I think... I really do think that the it, it, they have a good lineup. And, you know, as long as their they're pitching and their bullpen, you know, seems to... I don't know if it's overperforming right now, but it, if that continues, um, that's something that's going to be really positive you talked about um offense just shutting down and that one that makes me want to talk about uh the rays um which has had aside from a couple key players the offense has been uh pretty quiet these first couple games so that's that's uh, something that sticks out to me as as uh something that's not just the red sox i think that's uh uh trend and not just for the rays either for the whole league but we'll get into that a little later and uh lastly the blue jays are sitting at the top with a nine and five record um of course they still have a game to play today i actually believe that at the point that we are recording this podcast the yankees have actually won their game today so potentially they could be sitting nine and six right now but um you know the blue jays we predicted them to have a very strong start uh, losing Hinju Rio was probably going to be really bad for them. Uh, at least a lot of people expected that to be detrimental to their pitching staff. But Alec Manoa has been a player that has been able to uh, improve immensely uh, to start the season uh, for that starting rotation. And the Blue Jays have been scoring runs, uh, as we predicted. They're now in a series against the Astros, uh, who we will talk about a little later. They're finding some struggles. Um, but this division, once again, it's a four-team race. And you remember, it's a marathon, right? Where most teams have played 15 games. They will be playing their 15th tonight. And we still got over 130 left. So we, we got to make the most of it. And, and, I, and I think if you're following this division, you're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, but moving on to a division that is a little less fun to watch, but is still close, extremely, in fact, uh, the American League Central, who... The biggest surprise is that the Guardians are sitting at the top of the division through 13 games played for them. I believe it's 14 now with the loss over to the Yankees, but this division is full of um, losers, if you will. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, there are a lot of teams here that are, you know, we said in the prediction thing that these teams are not necessarily competitive, even though a lot of them made some big moves um, over the offseason. Uh, the Twins, namely, made some crazy moves that a lot of people weren't expecting. Uh, the Tigers as well. 
this division, uh, I think we were saying that the White Sox had were were basically uncontested to win the division championship. And I still think, you know, that the White Sox will come out on top of the division in by October. Um, but certainly it has not been as easy for them as I think a lot of people predicted. Um, they lost some key games to uh, to the Rays, to the Tigers, to the Mariners. You know, I think they've I, had a tough schedule for their team to. Start. They have, they have, um, and and certainly they. I again, I think that come October they will be like th- things will have evened out a little bit. But it's been closer than I think people anticipated, especially because the Guardians are doing much better than people anticipated. I thought they were going to be um, close to, if not at the bottom of the division. So the fact that that you know depleted lineup has has been able to come through has been very very good you know they've been the best having a good year they've been the best offense in the major leagues nearly uh which is not what you would expect for the guardians if you asked me before the season how many players uh key hitters i could have named on that team uh, i would have probably just said jose ramirez who didn't Mm -hmm. just sign that seven-year extension maybe a med rosario but you know and a couple other names because i know the sport but i feel like there's not a lot of notable names that you would have been attracted to uh but now with Stephen Kwan having an amazing oh, uh, yeah. start to his season, we're seeing him fiddle out a little bit. But, you know, key moments like that that are week-long hot streaks are going to be pivotal for teams in this division. And the Guardians are just kind of finding their stride on their offense um, immensely right now. Yes, no, absolutely. Um, and I think that uh, even teams like the Tigers and the Twins are doing pretty well for themselves. Right now, I think the Twins are beating the White Sox uh, 5-0. I don't remember what inning they're in. But these teams, you know, they really put themselves out there over the offseason. People were like, what are they doing? And it's it's paying off to an extent um, because they are competitive uh, so far. The, the Twins especially, I, I think, have surprised me. I was a little dismissive of, of them, I think. Uh, and I think one of the big things here that you're going to want to watch are the in-divisional games um, because they're going to play so much of a role as we run down the stretch of the season. Um, it's going to be pivotal for these teams to make sure they win against their in-divisional opponents. Of course, as you mentioned, the Twins are leading the White Sox right now. The Twins have been struggling to find um, some of their key players, at least like Carlos Correa has had a couple notable home runs, but that's been about it for him. So a couple of the stars need to figure out where they're going. Uh, but just similarly to the AL East, the team in last place is only a one and a half games behind. And of course, it's early in the season, so it's hard to get those large gaps. Uh, but I mean, that's a that's pretty close. I mean, and I think this is one of the divisions where we could see the most surprises happen. And I'm excited to watch it, and you guys should be following it as well. Moving on to what I would believe is the most surprising division in baseball right now is the American League West because I think we had an idea it would be a three-team race in this one, at least from our predictions. Um, Potentially more of just a two-team race, but we're seeing some pretty hot starts from teams that were not expected. Yes, absolutely. The Angels are on top right now with an 8-6 and six record, and... You know, I guess that just shows the power of having Mike Trout and Shohei Otani healthy in the same lineup at the same time. Uh, because that, I, I did not expect the Angels to be doing as well as they are. Um, again, I, I'm not sure 
how sustainable that is necessarily. Um, because my, my prediction was uh, that the Mariners would be on top, and I believe that they're tied for first place at the moment. Um, I, I think the Mariners are the better team, and I think they've had a tougher schedule than the Angels. But, you know, that lineup is, is doing wonders, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how far uh, they can go. Yeah, actually, Shohei Otani's been uh, struggling to start the season on the offensive side, the pitching side. He's been very good. Uh, the thing that's been working for the Angels has strangely been that their starting pitching has been serviceable for their offense. Um, so it's not that this team is doing anything special, it seems. They're just doing enough to win ball games at the moment. And once again, that's not exactly as sustainable. You want to be winning games considerably um and you want to be dominant in your performances um but they're they're finding the right track right now and the mariners one of their key struggles right now is that their young players are not showing up as we had expected uh such as julio rodriguez and jared kalenic who have had tough starts to the season but on the other hand the mariners pitching has also been one of its key um, foundations right now from the bullpen which I was mentioning how earlier in my predictions that I couldn't really name that many players in this bullpen uh, but they've been a pretty big machine and, and even Logan Gilbert uh, who is a starter for them has been a good one-two with Robbie Ray um, so the Mariners have been finding some success in areas that I I, I thought the pitching would be their struggle and, and here it is being their best friend and once again we're going to mention this later on, but pitching itself this year, or maybe the offense has been a bit of a down right now. And it's, it's kind of interesting. And I feel like one of the things that we're going to continuously say is that we're surprised by pitching from these teams. And then the team that's only half a game out of first place. And this has been the biggest surprise to me out of the entire like standings, AL, NL, is the Oakland Athletics are half a game out of first place in the AL West. Um, which is astonishing to me because um, I did not think this team was going to go anywhere but the bottom of the AL West um, going into the season. You know, before the season, they had a fire sale of basically all of their longest tenured players. Um, and I, I do think that they got some good returns in those trades, but I didn't think that they were going to, you know, instantly reap uh, the benefits that they have, but their their offense has has showed up when it needs to, um, and their pitching. Uh, I know you were saying has has really come through for Oakland, um, and I in a way that I think a lot of people were not expecting. Yeah, it's their starters that are still there that didn't get traded, right? Uh, they they've traded a lot of people. They got rid of Chris Bassett. They got rid of uh, Sean Mania. Uh, but one of the people that were was in trade talks for so long was Frankie Montas. And he's been having a pretty good season so far, along with some of the other names that were in this rotation that, uh, like Paul Blackburn and Dalton Jeffries, who have a combined four runs over 19 and a third innings pitched. So obviously they're they're holding runners they're holding uh, runners batted into a minimum here. And I think what is going to happen to the Athletics is that come trade deadline. Uh, more of these pieces are going to be moving, such as Frankie Montas. Yes, that's true. I don't think the the Athletics necessarily have... Uh, they've been doing well, but they don't have what it takes, I think, to challenge for the division or even a wild card. 
but they have not even had that easy of a schedule. They've had a lot of interdivisional stuff. They've played um uh they've played the Rangers and the Astros already and I think that they have really come through especially with some tougher teams. You know, they took 3 games against Tampa. They took uh, one game against Toronto, which I would have thought would have swept them, and they've they've just been getting wins where they need to, and I think it helps that a lot of the other teams in that division have not been performing as well as we thought. Such as the Houston Astros, who are six and right. seven, one and a half games out. They are struggling, and it's not a story of pitching for this case. Actually, it's coming from their all-star players, uh, you know, the big names, Bregman, Altuve, um, Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, right? Their big star hitters are struggling at the plate. But one of the positives is that their not-so-notable hitters are finding some form of success to keep them afloat right now. And I think that's just one of the oddities of baseball, where you could have these players that are so talented struggling at the same time as these players that are just having having days you know and uh verlanders looked good on the mound you know and and i think that their starting is still pretty decent and they're just probably need to find their groove uh they're one in three at home right now which is not a terrible home record uh but you definitely gotta you definitely gotta win your home games and take advantage of, of of having that crowd behind you uh, but a team that is not taking advantage of that home crowd is the Rangers, who are 1-5 at home and 4-9 on the season, finding struggles as we had predicted that they would find some form of obstacles. Well, I thought that the Rangers were going to have teething troubles, especially with, you know, they made some big moves in the offseason that I don't, I don't think, or I said that that, that was not necessarily enough to, to put them in contention for a division title. That said, I did not think they would be doing this poorly uh, this far into the season. Um, I, I think what has happened is what we kind of feared, that those pieces had just have not gelled together. Um, and the big issue has been, you know... Marcus Semyon actually has been their biggest issue. Uh, Corey Seager has been performing pretty well, but, you know, when you... When you buy in on these players and you spend the large contracts that they did, you know, you expect them to perform right away. And I don't think that uh, Marcus Semyon has found it as easily for himself um, on this roster. And I think it's just it's going to take some time, as we mentioned, uh, for a couple of these teams to kind of find their 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 way. And maybe the Rangers don't this season, but because I do believe that. With the pieces they acquired, I mean, one of the best middle infield duos um, on paper, there's still a lot of aspects that they're lacking. Actually, Nate Lowe has been one of the best hitters in baseball. Uh, so they do have some, you know, notable names that are uh, performing really well. Um, but, you know, I think the pitching is the problem over there and it's going to take some time to rebuild that. You know, they have Jack Leiter in the system. They have some other pitching prospects. Uh, that will come up as the years progress. And I think, you know, signing Seager and Semyon to long-term deals, I don't think they're playing for this year, and we know they're not playing for this year. And if they do have a poor season, I don't think it's the end of the world in Texas. So that's it for the American League. Um, I think heading over the National League, this is there are a lot less upsets, I think, than we just talked about. Um, National League East, 
uh, team on top is the New York Mets, which I think I believe both of us were pretty solid on that prediction. And they are pretty comfortably on top of that division. I did have the Braves winning that oh, you division. Did. Um, but the aspect of the Braves and Mets, you know, I think we even discussed it in our predictions that it could go either way. Um, and that's, you know, majority, you know, that's just to save our butts from our terrible predictions a lot of the times. Um, but what has worked for the Mets, and we knew that this starting pitching, DeGrom, Scherzer, Chris Bassett, um, and others, was going to be, you know, a well-oiled machine, um, has been a lot better than I think I could have even expected because Scherzer and DeGrom started the season. I mean, DeGrom's still on the IL and Scherzer missed a start, right? Um, so we mentioned that in our predictions, the first couple weeks are going to be pivotal to telling us how this team can perform with a couple of their best pitchers off on the bench. And what did they do? Their starters came through when they needed it the most, like Tyler McGill, who had the opening day start. Chris Bassett has had a fantastic season. I think it wasn't exactly expected, and maybe they have one of the best pitching coaches in baseball, but we're seeing some very spectacular work out of the Mets' uh, rotation right now, and the offense is backing it up with some pretty good numbers as well. I think one of the things for them that's going to be important is Francisco Lindor needs to find his 2016-2017 form. And, um, yeah, that's that's what I have on the Mets so far. Yeah, well, the one thing, uh, the one caveat I will say about the Mets is that their schedule has not been particularly uh, difficult uh, to this moment. I think they, they played Washington, Philadelphia, Arizona, and San Francisco. Um, and they dropped one game to each, so that's their 11-4. and four. So those aren't, I would say, necessarily super competitive teams, um, at least as, aside from San Francisco. They play the Cardinals next week, so I think that will be a, depending on how that series go, that will be a stronger indication of, you know, is this really the Mets, or is this just, you know, uh, sort of beginning of the season mm-hmm. uh, fluke? Um which I don't know. I they've been doing very well so far, so I think it's entirely possible that this is real. This is this is New York's year, and and maybe not the year for Atlanta. You know, to go back to back, their best pitchers in the postseason last year are struggling, and once again, you know, Max Fried, um, Ian Anderson, Kenley Jansen's even finding some struggle, right? And he was a big um, acquisition for them. Uh, so it, it seems that. Uh, we're getting opposites here from both of these teams, right? We have the Mets, whose pitching is performing extremely well, and the Braves, who is uh, who are very vastly underperforming in that uh, aspect. Uh, Matt Olson, though, has been playing very well. Al- Ozzie Albies does not have the highest batting average, but he has five home runs on the year. Uh, so we're seeing some, you know, the name, the notable names, doing very well with the Braves, uh, but it's just the difference in that starting pitching and is really key right now uh, but their offense is winning them ball games and a place where we thought that would be the case or at least I thought would be more of the case uh, was Philadelphia and I won't say that it's not helping them um, but 
offensively, I feel like their numbers have been a little shy of what we had expected when they got Kyle Schwarber and Nick Cassianos. Yeah, the Phillies, um, you know, they're just half a game behind the Braves at this point, uh, which is to say, you know, four and a half games behind the Mets. Uh, but their offense has not been great. It hasn't been terrible. You know, they're still putting up um, lots of, uh, you know, upwards of, I think most of their games have been upwards of five, six runs. Um, but they've also not had a particularly difficult schedule. Um, and they've dropped a lot of games that I, I think that maybe they shouldn't have. They dropped two out of three games of the Oakland Athletics, you know, which, just, which we just talked about. So I don't know that that necessarily bodes well for the future. And also, you know, there we talked about their defensive issues in our predictions thing. And I think that's something that's also um, shown itself to be accurate. Yeah, and, and I mentioned earlier in our predictions video uh, that their one-two punch was going to be key for them. Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, and their one-two punch has been absent. They have been absolutely missing every jab, every hook, and honestly, getting hooked out of the first inning is not a good look for them. Uh, so the Phillies need to uh, figure out what's wrong with uh, their best pitchers they need to figure out what's wrong with Bryce Harper, who's having a very tough start to the season following an MVP campaign, which I think is one of the most Bryce Harper things you can talk about in his career uh, in terms of his consistency. But the Phillies just, there's a lot they need to figure out, and if they don't soon, uh, that gap is just going to keep on increasing by the Mets, and it's not going to look pretty for them. Uh, the Marlins, though, uh, moving on to the uh, next worst team in this division uh is they're doing okay i would say uh a couple surprises for me in the marlins is that jazz chisholm and jesus sanchez are performing pretty well but not just those two on the other side of the ball pablo lopez mm -hmm. has been one of the best pitchers in baseball only giving up one run uh or two runs in 17 innings pitched uh, as well as sandy alcantara showing off why he was to you when you, we talked about the best pitchers in this division you had them in in the top five which i found to be a little crazy uh and for good reason <laughs> okay they're finding some uh pretty good success stories not as a team but individually yeah i think that's i think that's where um this team's strength lies i'm still not sure i trust don mattingly as a as a manager for this group there are lots of young uh talented bats and especially arms on the marlins so i i, I think they're pretty much at where i expected them to be yeah fourth i think we both had them fourth in this division and hey i think the marlins have been they've found a lot of struggles and of course having a losing losing record being five and eight is not good to start a season um and being one and five at home is not good but i do believe that uh, you shouldn't sleep on the Marlins and give them a little more respect. Uh, but a team that doesn't deserve the respect um, in this division, despite having more wins than the Marlins, uh, although playing more games, is the Washington Nationals, who I think are finishing dirt last in this division, and they are right now. Yeah. Um, you know, again, this team is one that has lost a lot of its key players. It's certainly not the same. Um, 
that it was in 2019 or even 2020, 2021. You know, the, the only way for this team to be successful were, was for people to be successful around Juan Soto. That has not happened. Steven Strasburg has not been doing well. Um, no, none of their old just, people have yeah. been doing well. It's, it's, we don't need to talk too much about the Nationals. Just know that they're 6-10, and 10, uh, five and a half games out. Um, but that's not the biggest difference from the last of, in the division to the top of the division. Uh, that comes in the NL Central, which we'll dive into right now. Um, the Cardinals are leading. And just, I guess, to already give you guys that insight on the differential, the Reds are seven games back out of first place, only 15 games. Actually, for them, 14 games into the season. Now, the Cardinals have only played 12 up to this point as we're looking at the standings. So they have some, you know, they have some work to do. I'm sure they're, they've had a, a plenty full of off days, which has probably helped them a little bit. But, you know, Cardinals are sitting at top right now, and... I don't know if I had expected it. I knew that the Brewers-Cardinals race was going to be close, um, but they're definitely proving to me that defense and some of these old guys are, are still ready to you know, make it to the World Series, potentially. Yeah, you know, this is a team, which we, we talked about this as well in our predictions. I think the ability to have, you know, some of those older guys... Namely, Albert Pujols, not only him, but the ability to put him in a DH position and still keep some of your younger players um, on the field. I think that pairing has worked well they've for them really so far. Smart. They've been really smart. Yeah. with. Uh, they're doing what the Dodgers did with Albert Pujols, which is Albert Pujols is not going to play every game. But when he gets a pinch hit opportunity, it's likely favored on his um, stat cast and his expanded statistics that he's going to get a hit in this opportunity he has two home runs already he needed 21 to start the season um to reach 700 will he make it before his retirement we're all hoping he does um but he's got a long way to go still 19 so our pujols has been you know good off the bench for them you know in his 17 at bats but the real story has been nolan arenado who's having an mvp campaign in st louis Harrison Bader's looked good in the outfield. Their young stars are playing pretty well. Um, Paul Goldschmidt locking it down at first base, and, and there's a lot going right for St. Louis. Uh, the Brewers are finding a lot more complications with their biggest strength, and we know that pitching is their biggest strength, but I mentioned how they really have this three-headed dragon in their pitching staff with Peralta, Woodruff, and Burns, but... There's only one of those guys that got the head on straight, and it's Corbin Burns. He's been pitching pretty decently, but Woodruff has a 7 ERA. Peralta has an 11 ERA, right? So, And some of their bullpen names, like Devin Williams, is finding struggle as well. So their biggest plus, the biggest upside for the Brewers, which is pitching, um, maybe even a little bit defense as well, but has found a lot of obstacles in the way for them. And they need to figure that out, whether, you know, now or later on in the season. They, this needs to be a resolved issue or else Cardinals might run away with this division. They have games in hand to play, so they can extend that games back. They're only one game back right now, of course, playing two more games than the Cardinals and losing two more games than the Cardinals. Um, so 
there's a lot of important games on the line for them through this beginning of the season, um, and they need to figure it out. And the offense for the Brewers, I think, have been up to expectations. Um, yeah, I think so. I think they, if they want to compete for that number one spot, that offense is going to have to be uh, stronger. Um, Christian Yelich, I think, so far has posted the worst numbers in his career. I believe maybe he was worse in 2020. Um, but you know, he's batting 200 right now. Um, you know, if this team wants to be at the top of this division or even challenge for a wild card, um, he's the centerpiece of that offense and that's going to need to click sooner rather than later. And also they've not played. uh, The real worrying thing is their schedule also has not been particularly strong. I think the only, uh, plus 500 team that they've played is the Cardinals to this point, um, Everybody else it has been, let's see, the Pirates. Uh, Phillies might be plus 500. Um, but the Pirates, the Orioles, the Cubs, you know, these are teams that you need to be winning uh, series, if not sweeping series. Um, and Milwaukee hasn't been doing that so far. We'll see if that changes. Um, you know, Milwaukee, I think, always surprises us. So I think that they can turn it around. Um but there are a couple teams in this division that I don't think are going to be able to turn around. I have I have a feeling, a strong feeling, that one of these teams is going to continue to fall, actually. And that's the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are sitting 500-7-7 on the season. Whoa, 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 Pirates, where'd you come from? <laughs> uh, but uh, slow your roll a little bit, because we know something that happened today uh, that is not in favor of the Pirates um, as they're now seven and eight, following a twenty-one to nothing victory from the Chicago Cubs. Um, the Cubs are not a team. The Cubs are, I think, are better than a lot of people gave them credit for. Say Suzuki has been great. Um, other pieces of their offense and their their pitching has not not been as bad as I think people thought. They are not a team that should be beating you twenty-one to zero. No. Um. So that is a series, and I, I haven't looked at the box score for this game. I don't know what happened. I think they scored like eight runs in the second. That simply cannot happen to you if you are a major league team. And I don't know that the Pirates are at this point. Um, and, you know, I, I really hate to be hating on the Pirates, but, um, yeah, they're not good. They're not good. The Cubs are, yes, I think they, their record should be a little bit better uh, than they are 7-8 and eight right now. Um, Seiya Suzuki's having a fantastic year, as you mentioned, but Jason Hayward has been kind of like this other story that's like he's found a little bit of uh, his youth again, and he's been very, um, he's been performing very well for them in the outfield. Uh, but lastly in this division, we got the Reds. They're 2-12. and 12. They sold their entire team. Joey Votto's not doing well. They're 0 in their last 10, okay? They've lost 10 straight games. Um, it's not looking pretty for them. Can they turn it around? No, they won't turn it around. Uh, but will they be better than 2-12 and 12 on the season? I think so. I hope they would be. Uh, it would be a very sad year for Cincinnati fans, not that there's that many. Um, it really is a shame uh, for a team that I think the last couple years had... They were growing. Real, they were growing. They had a real, uh, at least the, the prospect of competing. And that is simply, you know, 2-12. and 12. That's not... When you're significantly worse than the Pirates in your division, that's... Mm, 
Uh, I there's I like I don't know what you can say about that other than damn. Hey, we got some we got some underperforming definitely going on there. Uh, but a division where we're seeing a little bit of both, or maybe just more overperforming. This is, in my opinion, the most competitive and fun division to watch. Uh, probably because I have a lot less stress when I'm watching this division. Is the National League West? Um, the teams are the division full of super teams. Right, they're competing against each other. You got some of the best players in the world. Uh, on teams like the Dodgers and the Padres, who are in a series right now. You should be tuning into it if you are not already. But the Dodgers lead the way, 10-3 and three on the season. I think we could have predicted that the Dodgers would be pretty good. Um, they're 6-1 and one at home, so they're really um, living at Dodger Stadium right now. Um, but one of the more surprising aspects to me is a team that we made fun of so much. The Colorado Rockies are four games above 500 and sitting a half game back out from the Dodgers. Yeah, the Colorado Rockies were another team that, you know, made some off-season decisions that a lot of people were skeptical about. Chris Bryant, for example, I I, I don't know, but he he's been doing pretty well. Um yeah, I mean this team I certainly do not believe that second place is sustainable for the Colorado Rockies. No. Um but they've been a, a pleasant surprise, um, and that's something that they they often are. Um, I will say though, they they have played the the only I think plus five hundred team that they've played uh, was the Dodgers, um, which they actually won that series, so that is uh, uh, good for them. But they have not had the most competitive schedule to this point, and also I think I believe most of their games have been at home to this point of course yeah we don't want to we don't want to be uh the we're not those people that repeat cores every time that (laughs) the rockies have success however it's something it's important to remember that when you're playing you know the cubs phillies and rangers at coors field you probably should be expected to win some of those games absolutely uh but yeah as we've mentioned uh the rockies have been outstanding to start the season not what we expected they've played two away games and they won both away games so good for them um but you know it's it's been unexpected i mean i don't know how what other words to say cj crone has the most home runs in major league baseball right now of course um but (laughs) (laughs) uh we're seeing some pretty good players um, from the Rockies that they extended, like CJ Crone was an extension that they gave this past offseason. Uh, Chris Bryant they brought in, so some of the bigger moves are working out for them. Uh, currently, whether it's long term, we'll have to see. Uh, but moving on to the other teams in this division, uh, which have actually more wins than the Rockies, but have played uh, more games, are the Giants and the Padres sitting third and fourth right now, both on nine wins. Padres have one extra loss, so they're uh, a half game further from the Dodgers. But the Dodgers have 10 wins, and the Giants and Padres are sitting fourth in this division with nine, right? So this is extremely competitive. The Giants have been, I would say, a surprise to me. I continuously call them a fluke, and I want to continuously call them a fluke, but they keep, you know, hitting me back in the face saying, hey, we're here, we're here to stay. This is a sustainable team. Uh, how that happened, Camilo. Uh, this team, I'm going to say it again, I believe in Gabe Kapler. Um, I think Gabe Kapler can do anything with that team. Um, they have 
certainly like they're sitting third place right now i think in a month or two they will be in first place really yes i do i really think that the giants are on the whole the maybe not on paper but i think they are the strongest team in this division um and i i i better than la i think better than maybe not on paper but i i think i have more trust in interesting the giants than the Dodgers. I, I could be completely wrong on that. I don't know um, if I see that, but I can understand where you're coming from. I do like Gabe Kapler, too, because he's been a big opponent of the unwritten rules of baseball. Yes, yeah. Um, and also, I will say that the Giants have had, you know, they're only a game and a half behind L.A., and they have had, I think, a much tougher schedule than L.A. Um, well, L.A. losing a series to the Rockies, you know, that can't happen. That yes, can't happen. exactly. And... The Dodgers winning the series against the Padres, if they can. I know it's only they won game one, uh, so we're moving on to game two of that series. Uh, it's going to be pivotal, right? They need to win this series against the Padres, work some momentum. Andrew Heaney has been huge for the Dodgers. Uh, and we were going to go on to players that we kind of really liked this season, but I think the podcast length is getting a little long. Uh, so we'll just bring them up here as we're discussing it. Um, you know, Kershaw had an amazing debut and a perfect debut to his season which dave roberts almost from. perfect and um i would love to divulge on our opinions on that uh but i i just keeping it brief i think it was a disgusting act from keeping dave it brief Bob. bad <laughs> that's my opinion he should not have done that uh 80 pitches in there off. is no reason you should pull somebody who's having a perfect game none zero zilch nada none it's like i i i don't know how to i i'm speechless i i cannot think of a a legitimate justification for that but apparently clayton kershaw was fine with it clayton kershaw is a very professional player uh person unlike the fans of the dodgers and padres who find themselves in fights every single time the two teams play each other oh, that's uh, I don't been know fun if, i don't know if i'm the biggest fan of it i think we gotta see some class here um but hey i'm a red Sox fan so i mean we're talking class tyler do we do you think that the dodgers and padres is that a real rivalry i think your it, eyes? i think it, i think it is i think it is uh to um, the protest it con- countered the protestations of some dodgers fans i don't think it's a rivalry in terms of the players hating each other and really getting on each other's nerves uh because i think when we look at yankees red Sox, there were some clear problems you know if we're looking 2004 era uh, right. the rivalry and i think that's a big part of rivalries is you gotta have some form of uh players that have a distaste for each other but it's really the fans i mean they're really going at it um to <laughs> yeah maybe they're just crazy on the west coast but we're they, again, I'm just saying, we're a game in, and we've already had like three fights it's, on, it's go, go on viral on social media so it's going to be certainly interesting to see, and especially gonna, if the Do- if the Padres are better than they were last year. That's going to be a really interesting race for the And they're without National Tatis West. right now, and they're still finding success. Eric Hosmer has been huge for the Padres, um, and there was so much talk of him being traded, and then all of a sudden, I think maybe maybe he's doing a prove me, you know, a prove it deal right now. You know, he's, he's going on this tour. He's batting 370 on the season. Uh, trying to get this team some more wins without Fernando Tatis is huge for them. Um, and and I, I think, as we mentioned, the fight's in the stand. It's a fight on the field. It's going to be a fight in this division 
throughout the year. You're going to want to pay attention to it. Uh, one team you don't got to pay attention to, the Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, you can, like, you can glance at them a little bit, uh, but that gap's going to continue to uh, gain. Uh, there are five and a half games back, uh, and they're not looking too great. Uh, but for the other teams, I don't know about the Rockies long term, but this is an extremely fun division to watch. You got to mm-hmm. turn on the TV. You got to keep up with it, and we'll keep you updated with it as we continue the podcast. Uh, I believe our semester does end here, my friends, but the podcast is going to carry on. We're going to get settled back in our uh, homes throughout the next couple weeks. And we're going to try to make sure that we can give you guys some good insights throughout the season. Unlike last year where the podcast went dead for months at a time. Uh, And especially one thing you can be sure of is that in July, there will be podcasts. uh, Unlike last year. But we're going to try our best to figure out a format that allows us to um, produce podcasts throughout the summer months. But inside of this studio in Paramount... Uh, I don't believe we're going to have another episode. I don't think so, um, which I, I think you're looking forward to because I'm, I think you're not a, a fan of this little recording studio that you've got here um, <laughs> I, uh, with definitely. half a, with maybe a third of a window um, and maybe and half of that being sunlight. Yeah, um, not a big fan of it, uh, but I am a big fan of baseball and I am a big fan of recording this podcast. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I thank you so much for uh, being a fan, for our reoccurring listeners, and for our first-time listeners uh, for giving us a shot here. Uh, I hope you guys stay tuned through our break. I know that on our Twitters, we're gonna, I'm going to be a lot more active once I get done with finals and I'm able to start being uh, the Twitter guy that I am myself. I'm going to be very active on there. Uh, and you can follow me at Tyler underscore underscore Foy. And Camilo? Uh, you can find me at Fonseca, F-O-N-S-E-C-A underscore E-S-Q. Um, and you can also see me post some baseball stuff, some non-baseball stuff. Uh, yesterday, I um, was a little angry after the Rays lost to the Red Sox with uh, three men on base with one out in the ninth. Um, so just a couple gifs of, you know, Normal stuff, people throwing TVs through windows. Ah, uh, yeah, just stuff normal that, stuff. You know, as a baseball fan, that's natural, I think. And there's a lot of emotions within the MLB, and there's a lot of emotions going through my head right now as I close out this episode of the podcast. Um, but once again, guys, stay tuned. We're going to be back. We will be back. This podcast will carry on, I promise, this time. Uh, and once again, I appreciate you guys for listening in, and I look forward to seeing you guys again in the near future. Thank you.